0: In this episode of the Mariah Report, we are celebrating 25 years of Butterfly by revisiting the legendary 1997 MTV Raw interview.
1: You know, the one on the boat, Mariah driving up in the club. Yes, the one with the cursing out of the publicist. That one. Uh-huh. Our exclusive interview with Tabitha Sorin is coming right up.
0: This is the Mariah Report. News, pop culture, and all things
1: Carey. Hey, it's Martin Burgess. And I'm Dan Enriquez. And we have a very special guest for you today. She has a new photography exhibition called Relief at the Jackson Fine Arts Center in Atlanta. It's running from September 16th until the end of December. And you can get more information on that in the show notes below. She's an acclaimed fine arts photographer, but we know her as MTV journalist Tabitha Soren. Welcome to the Mariah Report.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: It is our pleasure. We are going to talk about some iconic moments
1: that you have had with Mariah. And we invited you here because it is the 25th anniversary of Mariah Carey's album Butterfly. And I don't know if you know this, but you're a part of the Butterfly canon. The interview you did with her on the boat, in the club, in the car... <laughs> It's it's iconic, and especially that fight you had with her publicist. And so we're gonna talk about all of that. And that's an interview fans watch over and over and over and discuss and share to this day. So we wanna know all the backstory and how it all happened. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about your history at MTV and how you even got started as a journalist for MTV.
2: Well, one of the things that Mariah and I had in common, and I think the reason that we connected was The fact that we experienced success at an early age obviously hers was stratospheric and mine was within journalism but i don't think either of us expected it and it's nice when people respond to your work but there's all this other stuff that comes with it that you're not necessarily prepared for so i interned at mtv i was a production assistant at mtv I was a associate producer. I was a producer. I had, you know, I was a writer. I wrote Headbangers Ball for a while. All of this happened while I was going to classes at NYU. So if you go to college in New York City, you can always work at, you know, at the same time. And MTV was a really fun place to spend my twenties.
0: MTV was was everywhere back then i mean i think a lot of people forget how iconic mtv really was you know that's where you we all got all of our information on like the current pop stars the rock stars all of that nowadays it's all over the place you can get it from twitter you get it online but back then you guys were the go-to people
2: it's true the video music awards had 80 million viewers
0: wow for that one
2: night you know i mean that's that that and that's high for mtv even but there wasn't niche programming the way there is now. And I, I love niche programming. I love podcasts. I love uh, being able to, you know, have a bunch of different passions and there be content associated with it. But there was also something nice about everybody kind of watching the same thing in a Mm -hmm. way. And when I, I'm older than you guys, but when I was in junior high and high school, I relied on MTV to show me music that existed outside of the radio you know Uh if 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 the neighborhood or the community i was living in had control over my music it would have been all aerosmith all the time but (laughs) mtv played all these videos from england and top of the pops and and new wave and i mean the first time i saw Nena cherry my head almost exploded i couldn't like i could not compute like ish where is she from what is the accent how is this music combining all of these different other blends, other genres, you know, that was not coming through the radio when, you know, in the eighties, I'll tell you that. So it was something, it was a great gift at the beginning, but from what I'm told now, it's MTV is basically reality television and you can mock them or blame them for that. But in my experience, MTV has always, Allowed viewers to decide what they play so the ratings must be good enough to keep it that way so if you don't want it to be that way don't watch it you know that's the way to change the programming there but i i get you know so many people still come up to me and say how come mtv doesn't play any music anymore uh-huh. i was like oh my god i haven't been associated with that place in 25 <laughs> years i'm so the wrong person to ask but Bless I mean you.
0: they're they're doing they're doing what they do. They're still around. It's just in a different sort of form, I guess, you know.
2: And you may or may not remember, but I, I also the reason people noticed what I was doing was because not because I was interviewing Mar- Mariah Carey, but because I was covering politics. And that made adults go crazy like how could somebody care so much about music and also care about politics that doesn't make any sense
0: right and and bringing that to sort of a younger generation you know to the kids who are like hit well with what's I, going I mean on. i
2: was 24 so it was like my generation which is why it worked so well i could sit down with a 20 something mariah and not you know be looking down at her or not be looking up at her like a fan it was just somebody else in their 20s a young woman trying to make it through the world in new york city We had very different lives, obviously, but there was a connection there that Kurt Loder wouldn't necessarily have had. And when Mm -hmm. Kurt sat down with Mick Jagger, would Mick rather sit next to Kurt or me? He'd probably want to talk to somebody who had more reference points, who was closer in age, etc. So I think MTV News was very good at pairing us with the right people.
0: Yeah, I was wondering because, you know, when you look at Mariah's interviews on MTV or just throughout her early careers you were paired up with her and you sort of followed her through multiple years of her career. And I was always wondering, do they specifically pair you with her because you're another female because you're the same age? So yes, it was sort of along those lines. I
2: think it, I think it was, I think we hit it off. Nobody expected that. I'm not a pop music fan in the strict sense of the word. Uh, so for an interview with her, I had to study the CDs, whereas other people I could just walk in and i had been listening to them forever. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't the case with her, which does not mean I don't like her music. It's just not my first choice. And so once you hit it off with somebody, she felt like she had a relationship and that she could trust me. Mm-hmm. And I think until I bit the PR woman's head off, the PR people around her were like, oh, Tabitha's you know, a good person to talk to Mariah, she makes Mariah comfortable. Uh Doesn't mean I only asked her easy questions, but she's a pop star. Like, I was not, I saved my, you know, difficult questions for politicians. I didn't have to try to, you know, do anything scandalous with the musicians. Um, I didn't feel that kind of need to prove myself.
1: Take us back to the first time Mariah came onto your radar when you were at MTV.
2: Oh, sweetie. (laughs) I have, you know, (laughs) that is a hard question. I actually, I do have one memory. I have no idea if it was uh, the very first, but I was a television reporter in Burlington, Vermont at a local ABC station. And I anchored the 11 o'clock news at some point. And there's this gap between the six o'clock and the 11 o'clock and and there's not a ton to do. So uh, we would take very long breaks. And I watched MTV one time and I remember seeing the vision of love music video and thinking, whoa, you know, how does somebody sing like that? Like, where did this person come from? And it was so simple. So just a very spare video with, uh, uh, as far as I can remember, of her standing against a wall singing in just a little black dress. And um, she was obviously beautiful. But the range mm-hmm. was kind of incredible because I I don't know the exact dates, but I, I do Think of people like Paula Abdul and Mm -hmm. uh, maybe even Janet Jackson, like people who were not fabulous singers, but were great entertainers being very popular. And so when somebody like Mariah Carey is up there, um, it was a big difference. You didn't wonder, like, does she have, you know, backup singers doing the hard work or is there Uh a, you know, a playback going at the same time or.
1: So
0: the first major interview that you did with Mariah was in 1993, just before the Music Box album Daydream had just came out or Dream Lover had just came out. And, you know, you're sitting with Mariah, curly-haired pigtails she has, and you are hitting it off with her, like, just like girlfriends, because you're talking about, like, high school moments, high school photos, and things like that. So I think even from just that first interview, us as fans were like, oh, these girls actually like each other. Like, they are ha- they have good banter.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say that. Banter was not my strong suit at MTV. There was this guy, this reporter, this wonderful man named Chris Connolly. Like, he could do banter and live television, just think of funny things to say, just off the cuff, lickety split. And he's still a reporter for ABC. But I was somebody who, like, researched the material, came up with questions, thought about what the answer was going to be, crossed off the question because I didn't like what the answer, you know, what I expected it to be revise the wording of the question like very, you know, overdetermined. So to sit there and chat it up with somebody, it had to be authentic because I didn't really know how to pretend that very well. At the VMAs, they were always like, Tabitha, it's supposed to be a party. Like, have fun. <laughs> you know, like, don't ask them the heavy questions. They're walking into an award show. Why are you bringing that up? <laughs> so. But you
0: did You did ask the the heavy questions, the lighthearted questions, and everything in between. Because I remember in that first interview, Mariah had just got married to Tommy Mottola. And you asked her... Sort of what I would have wanted to ask her, when did you know that he was the one? And Mariah, like, she takes a deep sigh and she sort of rolls oh her eyes goodness. and she's like, um. <laughs> and it just looking back on it now, you can see, okay, well, that was not a good relationship. And we didn't. But in the time, you don't think of it like that. You're just like, oh, you're married. You're a married young well, woman. Well,
2: I, di- I definitely <laughs> did because of the age difference and because he was running a record company. I mean, well, it just yeah. all seems very... The signs of him being a Svengali were there for everyone to see. You just had to look at it. But you weren't you know, he's not somebody that people wanted to criticize because he was in charge and she seemed, you know, theoretically happy. She seemed happy about superficial things in my opinion. But if I had her background, superficial things in my opinion are not superficial to her. So that Cinderella wedding and all of that just seemed over the top. That's not my style, but she seemed you know, ear to ear grin. Uh-huh. The other thing, though, was that this is the beauty of television versus writing for a newspaper or what I'm, I, I feel like it trained me as a photographer a bit because, which is what I'm doing now, that, you know, what Mariah says and or anyone and what her body language tells you are two different things. Mm. So on television, you have the, the blessing of having both of the, those things coming at you at the same time. And viewers can make up their own minds of whether, you know, he was her knight in shining armor from the first time that she saw him in the recording studio or what have you. I was just always raised to think about balance of power in a relationship, and that just seemed very out of whack. But it's so hard to get a recording contract. I'm sure you could convince yourself of anything. It's true. It's very, very true. Yeah.
1: So in Mariah's book, she talks about how controlling that relationship was being in that marriage. He's the boss of Sony, where she also works. When you sat down for that particular interview, were you given are there rules and regulations that Sony lays out to MTV, or are you given free reign?
2: No, there were never sort of pre-approved questions, if you will, at MTV News. Mm-hmm. I can't speak for any other department there. I. Th- think if there was something that was going to be a real knockdown, drag-out fight about content, it probably would have been taken care of in the edit room. Mm-hmm. Like, they would let me ask whatever I wanted to ask because mm-hmm. they knew I'd pitch a fit because I came from straight news. And maybe Tommy Matola would call up the head of MTV and say, you're never going to get another Mariah Carey video if you roll this part where she talks about hating me. Mm-hmm. And, right, right. and right. then they would take it out in the edit room and I would be none the wiser or I wouldn't be able to you know get mad gotcha. so yeah. I'm get you know that's hypothetical but just just to give you uh, I'm not naive in that those kind of deals are done all the time mm-hmm. um but it was nothing was done ahead of time Mariah was cared for in a very intense let's how, how do I put this I can I just say one thing? Yes. yes. It's it's slightly related, but it, I just want to explain my hesitation. I have only really done interviews about MTV and my work there once in a long-form way. I talked to this wonderful guy in Chicago, a sports reporter perhaps, about a photography book that I had put out that looked like it was about baseball. And Uh he asked me about Tupac and we talked, he was so interested in music and we were getting on so well that we had a great conversation. And I, I admired Tupac greatly. I thought his music was great. I don't have any, we got on really great during that interview. It is very obvious in the video. You know, if you, if you watch it, there's no faking going on. Mm -hmm. However, that interview was spliced up by someone else not the reporter i was talking to in all these out of context ways that made it seem like i was saying derogatory things about tupac
1: Mm.
2: and to this day i get nasty messages online in my email social media about like showing him not enough respect Oh, wow. And I think there's two things going on. One is that the guy who reposted and took the audio and made it seem like it was his own wanted hits and followers and whatever to create as much scandal as possible. That's fine. No problem. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's dishonest, but it seems like that is the way things often work today. But the second thing is, is when you are talking to super fans, which your audience is, Mm -hmm. this is how it circles back to Mariah. Yes. I could be wrong but it's hard to process the gray area, the complexity of life and a person. Mm-hmm. So I hesitate to say anything even less than totally flattering about Mariah because I don't want the backlash.
0: Right, right.
2: You know, but understand that I had compassion for her, her what she was experiencing, what she had gone through, and, and I liked her. But I saw her in, in all these different ways. She wasn't just a diva with this incredible voice, and she wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm, but right. I don't really like people who are perfect. They're mm-hmm. annoying. Because perfect it doesn't um, But I'm exist, just trying to really, be careful but, yeah. when I talk to you, because now I'm, I, I, I feel terrified that somebody's going to extract a little piece of this and make it seem like I said something nasty about her, and I wouldn't want to hurt her in any way. So no, we understand. I just also, wanted to let you know what the background computer of my brain was like going through. No,
1: Definitely. we understand. Does that make safe, any
2: sense? Make
0: total
1: sense. <laughs> no, this is a safe place. <laughs> We'd love to hear any Listen, kind of tidbits. There's been
0: there've been a moment or two where we have to, you know, everybody loves to hear, oh, we love Mariah, we would love Mariah. But no again, nobody's perfect. There are a, a lot of aspects of people that are, you know, that we say that are maybe not in the best light of Mariah, but the love is there from us. So it's we get it. Totally get it.
2: And I don't have... It's not like I have some deep, dark, nasty thing right. to say about Mariah. Uh, it's just that I feel like even when I'm explaining her in the most complicated, nuanced way, that that can be seen as negative because it's not, mm-hmm. you know, just like, oh! She's so mm-hmm. amazing,
1: right. right, yeah, yes, yeah, no, we get it. So well, I think what we're trying to get at is that so with that first interview during the music box era, she Mariah's told talked about in her book how controlled she was, how her image was controlled, how she hated what she was wearing. She hated the way her hair looked. She hated the Mary Poppins image that was being projected. What was your impressions or your thoughts when fast forward to the butterfly album, she's lost that image. She's shed the whole thing. she's shed the marriage. she's the clothes are now smaller and skimpier. Mm-hmm. She's more herself. What was your thoughts as a journalist and having experienced it in real time? Do you have any memories of that at all? Were you shocked by it? Because at at, in those days, those boob tubes and miniskirts were scandalous. Shocking at the yeah. time.
2: I just felt like she was getting more comfortable in her own skin and, and exerting um, the power that she had. I mean, she had created her career she wrote her songs so it's not mm-hmm. like she had to rely on tommy Matolda to, to hook her up with songwriters i mean she wrote with people and producers were also very important but you know she she started valuing her own voice and i mean that metaphorically as well as literally so mm-hmm. to watch her you know take ownership over how she wanted to present herself was really exciting for me i felt proud of her I would say that there was still an incredible amount of attention to uh, what you look like that as a girl, uh, I thought seemed oppressive, Mm -hmm. but I am not, uh, you know, a gajillion selling pop star. So, (laughs) uh, but just like the fussing, like the people around her all the time and, you know, pulling one hair out of that, readjusting one little hair or one Mm -hmm. button or a wrinkle on her shirt or I found all those things very distracting. And I didn't, there was just as much of that happening in Butterfly, even though that she had changed her look mm-hmm. or adjusted her look. I don't you know, I, these things are uh, exist on a continuum. Right. And I think that for any female, and men too, honestly, the, the I feel like beauty is a ticking clock. Yeah. And if you invest too much of yourself in your beauty, you just have to count on it fading. And that's going to be, real trouble down the line. So I just was glad that I had my job because of my brain and not my looks. You know, I wasn't distractingly ugly and that allows you to be on TV.
1: Mm.
2: So it didn't, it wasn't like the main reason I was there. I felt like Mariah had more to offer than just what she looked like. But, you know, obviously selling records and being a pop star has a lot more to do with what you look like than what I was doing.
1: Yeah, um, but it, I think but also the change of style in music too. She, you know, segue out of the of the you know adult contemporary into a more urban hip hop sound. The whole look and changed, I would the say that,
2: that's what I paid more attention to. The sound of the music had changed, right. and it was more street. It was more you know authentic. She was hanging out with people that I'm sure Tommy Mottola did not want her to be hanging out with, and and I I feel like she was you know there might have been part of her that was going to the extreme end of that spectrum in terms of like raciness and all maybe raciness with her clothes but but also like troublemakers you know I feel Mm -hmm, like I can't remember the guy's name but there was somebody who she wanted to duet with but oh gosh she got you know put in jail when they were supposed to be recording and so now that her schedule's all screwed up because now they have to postpone it or you know she was she was definitely like making things a little dangerous. And that was uh-huh. probably really fun. That's what she should have been doing in her 20s when she was right. young, you know? So it, just, it was just a delayed response. The the hell I was raising in high school, mm-hmm. I had gotten that out of my system.
0: Right, exactly. So it took Mariah a little bit longer because in, in yeah. 1995, you're riding roller coasters with her, talking about the Daydream album. And in 97, we're going to a hip hop party at the Royalton Hotel. And Mariah drove you there in in the in the convertible. <laughs> what do you remember about all of that?
2: I think that roller coaster stuff is is yeah. You know, where were we? Like Rye Playland or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was. I don't think that was a, a Sony or Tommy Matola devised thing. I believe that is a place that she went to as a kid and had, you know, very fond memories of. I mean, it certainly wasn't my idea. Um, <laughs> I think that. As I recall, I think that she really, you know, I I think she had a tough childhood. And so the moments of happiness, the places that generated the memory of a moment of happiness, she wanted to revisit. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
2: that was a place for her that she felt very comfortable. And I had never been there before, so she got to show me around. Mm Mm-hmm. But boy, that is an awful dress that I'm wearing in that interview now that it's all coming back.
1: (laughs) It was the 90s. That's what everybody was wearing.
2: (laughs) It was the style.
1: Okay, so walk us through the Butterfly interview, because it seemed like a long day. So I would love to hear some backstory. Like how, what was the assignment that you were told it was going to be? And when did the day start? Like, how was it all orchestrated and, and organized?
2: I don't remember precisely, but when we started, it was enough time for Mariah to get her makeup and hair done and get dressed on the boat, I think. I don't think she showed up ready. I think everybody met there, as did I. Uh And we were supposed to shoot in the daytime because that's when the light was nice. Mm -hmm. And then we were supposed to get off the boat and have dinner and then go to the party. But because we had so many interruptions from the PR people who were also overlooking her appearance. Everything took a really long time. And as you notice in the video, it is pitch black when we end. Obviously Mm -hmm, that was not the way it was supposed to be. So in terms of "Mm, is Tabitha exaggerating about how, how many interruptions there were? No, because the weather shows you you know, the light yeah. is gone. Uh-huh. Definitely you left, you, you built in time for Mariah to get ready. There, That was, I'm sure if I was interviewing Barbara Streisand or, you know, Liza Minnelli or Diana Ross or, you know, there there would be a very long getting ready period. And probably from history, I, I, I would have planned that she would be a little late, but I think that we started relatively on time like maybe a half hour late or something and and then they were trying to control everything as if were Tommy and and Mariah divorced at that point like separated. actually divorced separated
0: and i do believe it was a whole new like pr company she was working with as well like they were sort of a new a whole new team
2: Oh, really? It wasn't the Sony people who were there. Is that what you're saying?
0: Not to my knowledge. I think she had fired uh, everybody after the separation with Tommy. Um, but I, don't, I think and... that
2: that album is still on Sony, is it not? It, it is. Yes,
0: it is. Yeah. It is.
2: So there's no way I was doing an interview about a new album on Sony without, without a Sony PR there. person also being there. There okay. were several people there. So I think we're both right. I'm sure she hired like a new... You know, what she could control, I'm sure she put in new people who she trusted uh, or, Uh you know, that makes sense to me that she would have a new team. But there's no way Sony's putting out a record and she's doing a very long video music award pre-show interview with MTV and there's not a Sony person there, too.
0: Yeah, well, that makes sense. And maybe that was a
2: problem. Maybe different people were interrupting. And over Mm -hmm. time, it was just like, how am I supposed to have a conversation with this person when you are stopping the camera rolling because the wind on a boat like what do yeah. you expect yeah. blew like one hair up i mean that's the kind of minutia that they were trying to correct and it just took all the energy out of any sort of chemistry that we had naturally
1: mm-hmm.
2: also they made it last twice as long and i had other things to do we had other places to get to and i knew the crew needed a break and you know <laughs> i'm i'm I don't think I was the lead producer on that, but I definitely, from being a producer in the past, have those concerns in the background of my head about what's happening and having to relight every time the sun changes direction. Like, come on, that's too long for one shoot. I wanted to get her to reveal a little bit more about the controlling situation Mm -hmm. that she was in, because I knew about that from hanging out with her. She had a Halloween party every year that I went to. We had had lunch a couple of times with bodyguards and no no Tommy. But Tommy uh-huh. was there at the Halloween parties. We had you know, we she would call me for little things. Like I think we had maybe had a hair person in in common and it's hard to remember every little detail, but we were we were friendly. Mm-hmm. And so I knew a lot of information. I never would have said it directly. And that's what the PR person didn't seem to understand. That I was actually showing an incredible amount of restraint
1: mm-hmm. and
2: that I was letting, going to let Mariah tell me I was just going to ask the question and they didn't even want me to ask the questions. So there was still a lot of controlling going on. And I could tell that, you know, Mariah was just like irritated at the interruptions, but also, you know, she doesn't want to, if they're telling her to do one thing, she doesn't Maybe she's not sure if that's a good idea or not. It was just like an un- unnecessary intrusion in terms of, as far as I was concerned. I mean, I've been in the Oval Office and interviewed President Clinton and George uh-huh. Bush and Yasser Arafat, and none of the interruptions <laughs> that I had in those circumstances were as bad as this. So right. there is a little context there, you know? I just wanted her to have a good time, and they were making it very stressful.
1: Got you. So in Mariah's book, she revealed that in that era, she had already had an affair or was hanging out with Derek Jeter. Had you known that information beforehand? Because by the time Butterfly came out, she had the songs written all about that relationship. What was the word on the street?
2: I remember her talking to me about Derek Jeter, but I have no recollection of how it intersects with her separation or divorce from Tommy Mottola.
1: Did you know songs were about him from the album?
2: no i got i got a plenty of uh, i mean i got information from her about him i guess uh-huh. i didn't even i didn't think of it that way i i wish i could remember the the time sequence because that would have made those songs more relevant but i think i was so interested in her no longer being a bird in a cage on some mansion on long island mm-hmm. that that was that seemed like a more important thing than dating some baseball player but having an affair during a marriage to Tommy Mottola, like that's that's a big deal. It's not really MTV's, you know, specialty. What you know that that kind of gossip wasn't central to MTV News. But I thought they would kind of make a cute, cute couple. And I remember him seeming young.
1: Yeah. Well, looking back at the interview, so so in the book she talks about how she wrote. The song The Roof and how that was a docu song. That event really happened with Derek Jeter on the rooftop. And so in the interview with you, she mentions the line about how um, the moet was real. That was a real moment. So she's dropping little nuggets of information I, about and it. And I'm
2: oblivious. Is that right? <laughs> right? Well, like, we are too. I have no idea. Yeah. It was, it was no, so subtle. Like, that, does, would... that does not surprise me. My interest right. in Derek Jeter is pretty small. Right. But. Oh, um, well,
1: yeah. We just know him through. She,
2: she hadn't given me any reason to take him seriously or her relationship right or to put like like, those two
0: things together and like make that connection
2: it seemed like a light light thing that she was definitely in charge of right that's the way it sounded to me but you know that's the other thing with all of this right like it doesn't matter whether I'm talking to Mariah or I'm talking to Yasser Arafat they're all telling you their point of view Mm -hmm. on a particular story that doesn't or or you know even in her memoir yeah which I have not read but I, I have heard it's very good from other people and I think she has a lot to tell and and her upbringing as a mixed kid has so much resonance now because things have changed so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know she's very proud of being a role model for mixed race kids, but I just think that that's a particular point of view where you have no idea of the veracity of, of the stories in that memoir. I'm not saying they're not true, but there are, You know, we all have our own memories of our own experiences. And I think that needs to be taken into account. So what she told me about Derek Jeter, is that the truth? I don't know. It was Mm -hmm. her truth at the time. Mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, you get Derek Jeter on the show and you find out that's what you do.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Call him up. See what he has to say on it.
2: He's just laying, you know, hanging out in Miami. He's got nothing to do.
1: Yeah, he's not hitting any baseballs nowadays. Totally. All right. Back to the boat. Let's go into. There's a nice. Speaking of things cut up and, and separated, the iconic moment of you yelling at Mariah's publicist. We can't hear any of it. So a few questions. Oh one, really?
2: What What do you mean? You the audio? You,
1: we can't hear the the publicist.
2: Oh, I see. I see.
1: So one. Who and, was and the publicist? One more thing. To, one more yeah. question.
2: Am I yelling? Or am I arguing?
1: Talking loud, stern, <laughs> very stern, with a few F words. <laughs> yes. A few F Seriously? words. It's good. It's good Don't TV. Even remember. Iconic television now, <laughs> which, by the I way, do, I we... do
2: remember that is the very first thing my oldest daughter found of me on the internet. Oh, right? Really? I was going to say, well, we... you've met that lady before. Yeah.
0: <laughs> We didn't even see that behind-the-scenes clip until years later when MTV aired it on some random show. So we didn't even know about it at the time. It was a few years later, way after, maybe five, six, I seven, wonder, seven years later. I wonder why did they air it? I don't know. I think it was in some sort of bloopers or MTV, like, you know, memory lane type of episode that they aired. Ooh. And then it I'll just tell you sort what, of came so into, like, many you know.
2: so e- many examples of, I mean... I'm sure you guys know that when you are dealing with people who are public people who have managers and agents and PR people and handlers, if you are trying to do your job within that ecosystem, it is a frustrating pursuit. There's always, they have agendas that are different from yours. And in journalism, it's even more so because you feel like you're trying to be as objective as possible and there's, you know, some sort of, I I come from a, like a very traditional journalism background and I bring all of that baggage with me. So I'm not like an entertainment clown who is, you know, ready to do a trade of, I don't know. There's all these different, the entertainment journalism is as corrupt as art journalism. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think that's why I got my backup, but also I think that at MTV, when I, I remember when I walked into the office the next day or maybe the Monday or when, you know, the Video Music Awards, I'm assuming they were on a Friday night or something. I don't know. Whenever they were, it was the day after the Video Music Awards or the first work day afterwards. I walked in and people started clapping and high-fiving. And really? was that because they thought that I shot down the, the PR people so effectively? Maybe, but I actually think what it was about was all of their frustration over the past, you know, however many years they've been doing their job of all the agents and managers and publicists that they wanted to tell to F off, but couldn't. So they were just like living vicariously through my outburst. And did did that mean that they hated that particular publicist or, you know, had any negativity toward Mariah? No, it was just like, we're rooting for people who are just yes. trying to throw off the shackles of the PR industry that are trying to control what we do.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Now, do you remember who that publicist was? No. No.
2: No. There was, you know, there was more than one person there. Right. There's
0: probably so more than one. Yeah.
2: Thankfully, MTV was so well-staffed that there was a person who had, you know, the booker dealt with the PR people, and then the mm-hmm. producer was dealing with the PR person on site. And, you know, it, it was my job really to keep my blinders on and just focus on the task at hand.
1: You asked Mariah in that moment, you know, the fans are wondering, will the separation affect your music or something along those lines? What happened? Were you told, don't ask that question or we're ending the interview? But what was said behind you?
2: I think it was just another, I mean, you know, please, the, the my memory is not going to be accurate, but it was, it was not something specific as... Stop tape. Something uh-huh. like that. Uh-huh. So, But that had happened like 100 times uh, right. before you just, that. Happened, you it doesn't matter what you they know, said. Over a piece of hair or uh-huh. a wrinkle. And, and I knew in this case it was about the content of the question. Right. But I thought Mariah can't, it can't get in trouble by standing up to this lady because Tommy Mottol is her boss. Mm-hmm. Even if he's not the boss of you know the new PR team, the new image team that she brought in, He's the boss of the record. Right. So I just felt like I could be the bad cop. Uh-huh. And also was genuinely frustrated that this woman was like in my grill for yeah, you know, a long time. The sun had set. Right.
0: Right. (laughs) Like, come on now. (laughs) In the clip that we see, it's only about a minute long where you, you know, sort of go after the the PR person. But then what is it like after that? Like, how do you regain the whole conversation? And then how do you like, what happened after all of that?
2: I think we continued the interview and and she did not interrupt again, but it made Mariah very uncomfortable. I mean, she was like, Mm. okay, okay, you know, like, let's, let's like make peace and Mm -hmm. is that shocking with her background that she wouldn't be like the peacemaker of course like that's Mm -hmm. that's the way she moves through the world but that's this position I thought it was good for her to have like what is this PR woman gonna do to me never let me have an interview with Mariah again I mean I could live with that I would just be friends with her instead like no biggie so I, I do think that Conflict comes up in life. And if you think about like, well, what's the worst case scenario? You can take a lot of your anxiety away if you realize, actually, I don't care. Right. <laughs> right.
0: Yes. What,
2: and, <laughs> what's
0: the worst that's going to happen? It's, we're yeah. all going to go on. Like, is
2: she yeah. going to get me fired? I could probably live right. with that too, but there's no way that was going to happen. <laughs> right. Exactly. They exactly. saw me so. trying to do my job and get the best content I could for the channel. So there's no yeah. way that, that, that I'm yeah. going to get in trouble for that.
0: Well, I think you did get the best content because like we said earlier, this is one of the most beloved, iconic Mariah interviews that everybody loves because you were asking the questions and because you did, you know, curse out the PR person and because you hung out with Mariah like, you know, a regular girl going to a party. So like we love all of that.
2: I do feel like I was defending her ability to make the choice of whether to Mm -hmm. answer the question or not all by herself.
1: If right. she doesn't want
2: to talk about it, I've seen her be coy and cute and do it in a nice way where she doesn't answer the question. Right. She mm-hmm. is a clever person mm-hmm. and exactly. I am not going to condescend to her by not asking things that are relevant on this record. So I just felt like it was her choice, not yeah. the people behind us. But it's very astute of you to ask about what happened next because... I really don't remember but I sus- I'm sure and I do have it on tape here somewhere. I am sure that it was awkward. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Like like you have like, you okay. have to be willing to deal with the awkwardness. Yeah. And I guess yeah. I was. I also felt safe with her because I had a little bit of a relationship that they probably didn't know about mm. although I mean the information I had in my questions the my ignorance about Derek Jeter notwithstanding like it was There was clearly, I had some information because I was going where I needed to go. Mm -hmm. Um, But the tricky thing was that, yeah, she was uh, separated and not divorced. A divorce situation would have been totally different.
1: Yeah, true. Okay, let's get off the boat. Let's do some quick fun moments. And then I want to hear about your photography career now. You have a whole new life. But talk us through getting off the boat and then getting in the car with Mariah driving. <laughs> like, how, what was that?
2: Why are like, you laughing? Is she a bad? Because driver?
0: Mariah driving is just sort of like out of our like wheelhouse. Her and behind a wheel rare, is too. very rare. Like, I don't think we've seen it maybe two or three times only. It's, it looks scary. Just driving through the streets <laughs> of New York.
2: <laughs> I wasn't I mean, scared. I, I don't I'm not a big fan that that kind of stuff makes me feel like an actor. I realize it has to you know you have to have this what is called B roll to get you from one environment to another. What um, mm-hmm. well, did just, she actually you know, drive? Did
0: she drive you the whole way there? Oh yeah. Oh wow. Oh wow. She popped
1: the car <laughs> and everything.
2: Yeah. Well, but I believe don't didn't we just pull up to a hotel? Wasn't that I mean, parked? you
1: arrived at you're at like the hotel. Not like
2: she parallel parked.
0: No. Oh God, no. <laughs> but,
2: <laughs> yes. I don't think she's a bad driver. I don't know why you guys have the impression that she can't drive, but you're right. She's probably been driven for mm-hmm. many, many exactly.
0: years. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I think that's why it's funny. It's, you know, just a, a little, a little bit
1: of a gag, but we love right, it. Right. Right. So you get to the hotel. What is the next move? We have to do an outfit change. We're going to the club. That's
2: like, that's that is true. Now I'm, I'm, we, we had a hotel room, the two of us, and we got changed <laughs> to other clothes. <laughs>
1: Yes, party clothes, party Party clothes, clothes. party clothes to the club.
2: Like whose life is this? It seems it seems crazy that 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 somebody was paying me for that. But yes, and then we're going to a party, and I'm sure I said yes to all of it in advance.
0: But you didn't know what you were going to walk into when you got there.
2: No, I definitely did not expect to be in bed with Sean Puffy Combs and (laughs) Mariah. Sam,
1: we're trying to interview
2: them while we're like horizontal. (laughs) Like that, that is, was not in my job interview description.
1: You weren't ready for that one. At that point, what time of the night or morning is it now?
2: Oh, it's almost, it's late. I mean, because we were so late to Mm -hmm. the party itself. Those people have been waiting for us for hours.
1: We yes. could tell. I'm
2: telling you. <laughs> like
0: The people at the party seemed like they had been having hours of fun, <laughs> lots of drinks, and probably other party favors.
2: Was was that good for the video from, from a fan point of view? Is it interesting? Oh,
0: yes. I, it was fascinating to me because, again, we see Mariah in very controlled environments up until now. You know, so to see Mariah out with her peers and just lounging around, I remember watching that when it first came out, and I was just – jaw on the floor. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. It's exactly what I wanted to see from Mariah. Uh huh. So I loved it. Well, I, think it I had perfect. been
2: to Mariah's parties in the past, her, her, her annual Halloween party. I don't know if she still has it, but it was always a lot of fun. And so I suspect that my comfort zone was created by being at parties with her in the past. Um, mm-hmm. this was a little more simple because the Halloween party, she, she would change costumes several times in one party. Ah, <laughs> and, uh-huh. but, uh, yeah, I, I just wasn't sure what I was supposed to talk to these people about. I, I can't remember, um, I mean, how do you interview somebody about whether they're having a good time at a party? That just isn't really a very meaty question.
0: Well, there. Was, I think the the bulk of what was really good there is you in bed with Mariah and and Puffy, and you know discussing you know how hardworking Mariah is, and then you know the little bit of information that I always grabbed onto, which I didn't realize up until that point because Honey had just came out. But you say is Honey a euphemism for something, and nobody really answers the question, and they're just like, mm. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what does that even mean? And then I'm like, oh my god. <laughs>
2: you know it, it, <laughs> that's funny i love so, that yeah. song I, no, love I love honey that. and it, i love yes. fantasy
1: yes again read the memoir listen to the memoir or read it because in honey she mentions that um hey dj that sample she used was a shout out to derek Jeter in it's, in honey it, wow all these little, little nuances little that were always right in front of our face
2: <laughs> you guys are like detectives
1: journalists journalist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> someone's yeah. got to be that person right <laughs>
2: Do you ever get any feedback from Mariah about your podcast?
1: Not from her. People around her have um, chimed in here and there. Yeah. We've spoken uh-huh. to people close to her. Yeah. we And had people call her Buckle Mimi and... still? She calls herself Mimi. I think she a lot of
2: people,
0: yes, they call her maybe MC is probably the MC? most. Yeah, both. That they say, yeah. I still, she, she gave me a pair
2: of Manala Blonics. I think it was for when I got engaged. And I still wear them.
1: My oh, daughter's
2: yeah. like, oh, you got the Mariah shoes on. Oh wow! Oh, and they're so that. comfortable and broken in <laughs> like i mean she would be horrified to know i'm wearing a pair of shoes from i don't know 25 years ago but Are your mariah shoes they yeah. still work <laughs> yeah.
1: just, i would do yeah. the same yeah yeah it sounds like you were living a very sex in the city life back then
2: <laughs> oh yeah I, I could make it sound like that
1: manola yeah. Bonics going to the club with mariah right, carey right totally very carrie totally. Bradshaw. so you mentioned that you hadn't been Doing entertainment journalism since back then you said 25 years
2: I mean however long it, I haven't done journalism since I left television really I mean I guess I did some I did some serious I did some non-entertainment reporting for Bloomberg for a little while yeah. because it was right over the bridge I live in Berkeley and they, they were based in San Francisco so I did some work for them just as to help out but nothing serious my photography career was was more my main concern. But I don't, I don't really miss it.
1: So what, what was the segue from reporting into photography? Like what made you switch? Did you like cut off reporting saying, I'm done with this, I'm sick of it?
2: No, it was a little bit lighter or a different transition. And it's not going to be that interesting, but I'll try to make it really short. Uh, at the end of the 1996 presidential campaign, I was super exhausted. They just run you ragged for 12 months. And so I got awarded a Stanford fellowship, which put me in school in Stanford for a year and they pay your salary to go to school for a year so I took a leave wow. of absence from NBC and MTV and did that and I actually remember I have a a very small memory of Mariah calling me there and saying you know like she, there's all this noise around her and and she's clearly in the middle of something so like are you coming and I was like what are you talking about she's like I'm having you know the party or the record release or I don't know what it was, but she didn't even know I had moved to California. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm in Palo Alto, so I will not be there tonight. Um, and that's oh, kind no. of the last time I talked to her. Not that anything bad happened. It's just, <laughs> you know, at that point, our, our world's diverged. So I did this Stanford fellowship and fell in love with photography and art history while I was there.
0: Uh-huh. And that's
2: where I pivoted. But I was also getting married and and presumably starting a family. And I just thought like... I can't run around. I can't be on planes all the time and be flying to Bosnia and then DC. And wh- if I'm planning on having kids, I can't do that and be the mom that I think I want to be. Not that all of that was totally conscious, but those are that—that's what I think was in my decision-making process.
1: Mm-hmm. That was your butterfly era. Your, your transition into something yeah, I was <laughs> who you really out. are. Yeah. <laughs> So you have some shows coming up. A lot, we mentioned in the intro that a lot of your work is being um, exhibited in different museums around the country, but you have an exhibition that's out now in Atlanta, correct?
2: Right. I, I, this is not always the case, but I have work in four different cities on view right now. There is work at Mass Art Museum in Boston. There's work at Pier 24 in San Francisco. There's work in the Museum of Contemporary Photography that you could see right now in chicago and i'm about to open a show in atlanta next week where apparently mariah has a house so maybe she she'll does. come yes <laughs> right Pull the house her up and got robbed her. or something yes, scary it,
0: yeah very very scary luckily she wasn't there at the time but yeah that call can't her be up, her, her to the house
2: show. does she spend most of her time in los angeles she's
0: uh she's still in new york is is oh, the main geez. house the mtv cribs apartment yeah, yeah. She still wow. got that penthouse uh, down in Tribeca. So
2: she just owns a place in Atlanta because why? Well, I
0: think be- pandemic. The pandemic mainly because she was doing a lot of work and that's where a lot of her band and uh, people are backup singers. Oh, great. So she was doing all that during the pandemic. So she's like, why not just buy a house?
2: Gotcha.
0: Yeah. But you should invite her to your exhibit if she's in town
2: i'm so out of the game that i wouldn't even know how to reach out to her but um and you know i remember i remember her telling me about this friend of hers who was insisting on her being her bridesmaid or maybe her maid of honor (laughs) but trying to explain i perhaps it was like a childhood friend or something let's say and it wasn't another famous person and and she said you know if if I'm going to do that it's going to cause such chaos at your wedding. Like she was really trying mm. to like not be self-absorbed and think outside herself and and as the bride, do you really want to be upstaged by having like a famous pop star at the wedding? And and the woman was like, yes, I do. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm not I I don't know that those are the exact words, but Mariah was trying to warn her and I'm going to have costume changes and I'm going (laughs) to have hair and makeup for days. And, you know, like she comes with
0: bringing my own lighting crew.
2: (laughs) Right. And I have to stand on this side because this is my better Uh, side. All of that stuff is not going to go poof. Just because it's your wedding. So why don't we just have a mutual disarmament policy and I will not be part of your wedding and you can have a regular wedding. Like
1: uh-huh.
2: easy seems peasy. That's like the obvious me. choice to me and to Mariah, but her friend really wanted her there. So, so I bring that up because I was thinking, well, if she did come to my opening, I'm you know, I'm not sure that people will be looking at the work. People will be looking at Mariah. Right.
1: Exactly. So
2: it's a double edged exactly. sword. I would love to say hello to her and give her a hug, but it doesn't have to be at my opening.
1: Well, put it out in the universe. You never know. Your paths will cross again. Cardi B also
2: lives there, and Uh Usher. There's all sorts of great musicians that are in there now.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, apart from Mariah, how can our listeners come and join in your exhibition? And you have a live talk coming up. Is that right?
2: I do. I have a live talk at the Atlanta History Center next Thursday night. If they are in Atlanta, it would be fun to have young people there or older people. But just, you know, people who have some interest and are not like stodgy, uptight art people. Mm. And... I am on Instagram, you know, just my name. It's mostly art though. So, you know, maybe once every five years there'll be a post about Mariah or Tupac or something. But <laughs> I think everyone should be relieved that I'm not trying to like live on something that I did when I was twenty two. Mm-hmm, very um, true. I think yeah. we've all got many acts. And uh I'm in my second act career-wise for sure. And I really think my first act was really fun. So it's nice of you guys to have paid attention to it and to um, not be scared to talk to me, even though I use the F word with a PR publicist.
1: <laughs> no, well, we had to talk. We had to, we had to, we had to. There, <laughs> we had was, to. there was no way around it. Uh, We're also going to link all the information in the episode description. So if anybody wants to go and see Tabitha's work and join in the live talk, check out the show notes and you can find out all the details there. But Tabitha, uh, our time is up and you've been so generous with your time with us. So thank you so much for joining us here on the Mariah Report. It's been a a dream come true. It's been a wish that we've wanted for so long. I love all the little behind the scenes all the anecdotes and uh, we appreciate it. Thank you for
2: reminding me what I did during my time at MTV (laughs) because (laughs) uh,
0: we all need a little reminder (laughs) of those fun times. Yes. All right. Again, thank you so much. The Mirai Report is produced and edited by Dan Enriquez and Martin Burgess. Hosted by Dan Enriquez and Martin Burgess. Graphics created by Sean Marks. Theme music created by e Rezy Beats. Thank you to the listeners who support this show on Patreon. If you'd like to show your support or for more information, visit the show notes in your podcast app.